0: Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up, Hallie and Kristen. Today, we have episode number 25, Holy Motors. Hello, Hallie. Greetings. Hello, Kristen.
1: Hello, David.
0: Some facts about Holy Motors.
1: David still did all the research for this one, even though we're the ones who are supposed to watch a movie and then learn about the new movie.
0: That's true. You're going to learn about it right now. Yay! I didn't wanna. I didn't wanna put that on you, since this was my idea, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how much either of you liked it.
1: We're gonna get into it,
0: anyways. Some facts: It's a 2012 film of some kind. Wikipedia calls it a fantasy drama, but I've also seen it listed on a list of the 20 best sci-fi films of the 21st century. And like I don't know what do you what do you call this?
2: I called it surrealism, but like light it's surrealism. drama something. It's like yeah, it's surrealism light plus drama. I I can see why there's like a like a light sprinkling of sci-fi, but not enough that I think it can I think warrant it, being described as sci-fi. I think it's sci-fi. fair
1: if you want to categorize it as sci-fi, but I wouldn't put it under sci-fi for like a well, streaming service, wrong. or if people wanted to find it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's right. It's probably... It, I guess it's probably more science fiction than anything, but...
2: No, it's more drama than anything.
0: <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a science drama.
2: <laughs> it's a side draw.
1: Sure.
0: Si- side draw.
1: It's a side draw. That sounds like a mythical monster, and I love it.
0: Yeah, that's that's fairly fitting. It was written and directed by Leos Carax, and it stars Dennis Levant and Edith Scob. Or Scob. It's S C O B. I'm not quite sure how she pronounces her last name. But not being up on my French film actors. But the couple things that I did look up about each of them was Edith Scobe was an actress and theater director since the nineteen fifties, and she was in all sorts of plays and films and sadly passed away last year. Aww. Uh, Dennis Levant is Aww. Yeah, I was I was sad to learn that. That's that's she's Celine. She's the the driver.
2: Yeah, I liked yeah. her. Yeah. That's a bummer. Rest in peace, Celine.
0: Yes. And Denis Levant is best known for his work with Leos Carax, having starred in all but one of his films, and for taking on roles that are often very physically demanding, including lots of slapstick, acrobatics, or dance. He was most recently in Night of the Kings, which is the Ivory Coast selection for next year's Academy Awards for Best Foreign Language Film, and in the French zombie film The Night Eats the World which I just put on hold through the library because I'm interested in seeing him in a French zombie film. Yeah. Yeah, so now you know exactly as much about these two as I do. (laughs) Anyway, as I mentioned in the last episode, Holy Motors was generally praised by critics and won a number of awards and nominations internationally, including the Prize of the Youth at the Cannes Film Festival Best Film at the Sitges Fantasy and Horror Film Festival, and a handful of Best Actor awards for Dennis Levant. And also, since I usually give numbers for these things, in comparison to some of the other movies we've watched, Holy Motors' budget was $4 million. So it made $4.2 at the box office. A success! Holy Motors!
1: Yay! <laughs> that actually, Woo. it is a relief actually knowing that it at least came out positive. Yes. I wanted that for Holy Motors.
0: Very, very slightly, but it made it. It made its money back, and then some. So, in case it's been a while since you've seen it, or more likely, in case you've never seen it, Holy Motors follows the actor, Monsieur Oscar, and his driver, Celine, as they visit Oscar's appointments for the day. These include doing motion capture, picking up his daughter from a party she didn't enjoy, and murdering a man who looks exactly like him. After Celine gets into a fender bender with someone else from the agency, Oscar reconnects with Jean, another actor who he knew 20 years ago and with whom he might have had a child, as comes out during a musical number as the two are reconnecting. Nothing strange happens at all, and then Oscar goes home to his family of chimpanzees while Celine takes the limousine back to the Holy Motors garage. A really great dog, a Kylie Minogue song, and some CGI snakes. Holy Motors. So, normally I would talk about seeing it for the first time, but since this is catching up Hallie and Kristen, I wanted to start it off with your thoughts on it for the first time what are some things that you enjoyed about the movie and then we can talk about some things that you were maybe less pleased with
2: all right it, yeah i liked the accordions yes
0: i had totally forgotten about the interlude but the interlude is <laughs> the- rather fantastic
2: I still don't know... It is the
1: best part of the movie. It's it's one of the best parts. I still don't know... It's the best if part. If that was an appointment, like he was supposed to be an accordion player that time, or if that was Oscar wanting to play an accordion when he had a break.
0: The, the world may never know.
2: Yeah, that's... Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's an appointment. I... D- because if you count all the different people he was and the fact that he had nine. Yeah, well, the fact that- And then the last one is actually ten. If anything, I think the one that is the most up for debate is when he hurriedly tells Celine to pull the car over and then he goes and he kills the banker who well, was also, also him. Well, that's also up for
1: debate, but I was confused because he did Old Lady and then he did Motion Capture and then he- the file where he was reading about the park man that he dressed up as was labeled number four? Mm-hmm. So we, we skipped oh. one. I don't know. The numbering's weird. I couldn't tell if the accordion was Oscar messing around or if it was an appointment. And if the movie was intentionally trying to be like, which one is it? I still can't tell. So I think the movie was trying to be like, which one is it? But I enjoyed it a lot. Accordions are I th- rad. I have an accordion playlist on Spotify. I
2: think it was an appointment. And it was the best part of the movie, and thus concludes my list of things I enjoyed about the movie.
1: I disagree (laughs) with the best part of the movie, because I thought the best part of the movie was the end. And that's not a snarky way of saying I was happy it was over. I was legitimately delighted by the last, like, minute or so of the film, when Celine parks the limo and then walks away, and then all the limos talk to each other. I was just like, oh, this is fun! This is wildly unexpected and extremely fun like all the little lights were were flashing when each of the limos was speaking and their names were like their license plate numbers and they said lines that I could connect to earlier stuff in the film and it helped it helped me put it in context and then be able to like draw a line towards maybe what the film wanted me to take away from that experience because before I, I really wasn't sure yeah but the cars, the cars really helped me. They were so fun.
0: Yeah. Like Herbie the Love Bug.
1: Yeah, it was it turned into the movie that Kristen predicted because Herbie the exactly. Love Bug was definitely there.
0: <laughs> exactly. And he
1: definitely had a starring role. Like after that I was it like We needed more Herbie. Oh my gosh, the limo was the protagonist the entire time. That's that's my reading of it. When I rewatched this movie. The limo
2: was not the protagonist the entire time. It is. When I
1: rewatched the movie,
2: no. Which I will,
1: eventually. I'm going to rewatch it, thinking of the limo as the
2: protagonist, and it's going to make me a lot happier. <laughs> thinking of the limo as the protagonist does not make the limo the protagonist. But I think a- an argument could be made. A bad one, but okay. I mean...
0: So, so Kristen, this was not yeah. your jam.
2: It was not my jam. The admittedly, I went into it thinking this is going to be some weird artsy indie movie that I'm not going to enjoy, so... But then, I thought, maybe because this is going to be some weird artsy indie movie that I'm not going to enjoy, the bar is already set so low that I will feel better about it. And I was... Maybe it's because I tried to trick my brain into doing that, that it didn't. But it did not. And then the first half hour. Like, I know from the description that he has the nine different appointments throughout the day. So, the first two, I thought, okay, sure, weird, I don't get what's going on. But it's all part of his appointments that he's going on throughout the day. And surely this will be explained later in a way that makes sense. And it wasn't. And so for the first half hour, especially his his third appointment, although Hallie said maybe it's the fourth one, when he's the man in the graveyard with the, Ava Mendez, part, did not no, like that.
1: part was not enjoyable <laughs> for no. any moment.
2: <laughs> like, there, was, there was no moment where I felt joy or contentment or anything that wasn't unease, and if anything... I, even when they semi-explain it, at the end, he's an actor, he does these appointments. I couldn't quite hear what the limos were saying at the end, and I was too tired slash done to rewind it and listen again, which I should have done. So that's on me. But I was, like, I get that he's an actor, but if anything, that makes that scene worse to me, but, because he bit yeah, a lady's okay, fingers see, off. that's... Like, I don't care what you're doing for your acting thing. You don't bite someone's fingers that off. That
1: whole scene was also where I was like, okay, what? who benefits from this? Why is this happening? Which I know is... Who benefits which,
2: from this is the entire yeah, thought I had like, throughout this entire movie. Me, the, is who yes, it who benefits from the this. Key and my answer is not Kristen. <laughs> like,
1: because at first I was like, okay, cool. He's got these mystery appointments and that's cool and fun but like I expected I don't know I didn't necessarily think he was like a secret agent and these were all parts of like complicated plans to save the world or whatever but I thought it would be something in that vein maybe like they all connected at the end and like his job involved espionage or he had to act like this for some reason and then it got to that and I was like I'm sure there are some things that justify all of that Green Jacket Graveyard Man sequence. And then the movie didn't give me any of those, so I was just like, every time, like, later when they talked about, like, why do you do this? And he said, the beauty in the act, or whatever, like, that was cool. But I was also like, but, but, but you bit a woman's finger off. I feel, I feel like you can't just be like, I like pretending to act as a different person. And then do that. It, I, I know it's supposed to be surreal over the and, top, but I... Uh.
2: I was hoping there would be a moment where we would learn that secretly she was in on it. And no, those weren't her real fingers. Her real fingers were... She didn't... She wasn't born with them. These are fake ones or something. I don't know. But no, that didn't happen. And then he just... He, he brought Ava Mendez down to the cave and then ate her hair... Yeah, he ate a lot of things I didn't like when he ate. Had her sing to him while he was laying there naked, and I... D- no. It, it's, that was my least favorite section of the like, entire movie that I already was not a fan like, of. It's just...
1: You know, that question really raised the stakes of who benefits the entire time. And then at the very end... No And then one. at the very end, when he was reading the... um. Celine was like, It's your last appointment and he was reading the thing that said your wife and your daughters. I assumed it was gonna go back to the first house at the beginning, and I was like, Oh man, he's forgotten who he really is. So he has to have like an actor's portfolio to remind him, This is your family. That's whack. And then he got home and it was chimpanzees, and I was like, Who benefits? Is it the monkeys? They don't no care. One. What how why is <laughs> how does this benefit Oscar? I guess he got paid. Celine gave him money, but also like Before he- when he pulled out the file for the weird park man, he was like, "Ah, shit, like he swore. He didn't- he didn't want that job. So I am left wondering why he does this at all. And maybe that's the point? You're allowed to say the point is, why is Oscar doing this? Is it because he finds beauty in the act, even if it's something terrible like that? But I- I just-
2: who benefits? I I had a theory. While watching when he was with his daughter, quote unquote, because is that even actually his that daughter? Was like a Probably not. Teenager with another appointment. And but I had a theory like okay. You know, he's an actor, he gets hired out to do these different things. Maybe Homegirl has a bad relationship with her dad or she doesn't have a dad and is longing for a father figure in her life and she found some sort of company or service where people are actors and they do these things and she thought, I want a genuine moment where my dad comes comes to pick me up from a party and then we have this disagreement, whatever. And I'm like, okay. Maybe that's it. But still, the the rest of the movie doesn't make sense, and it also is just... Like, did if she's just another actress, then what's the point? What was the point of having that entire thing? Like, when he's the old man on the deathbed, and then the other yeah. actress is pretending to be his great-niece, crying over like, his death. Like, my only theory was, like... They're both actresses! What is the po- Or actors, what is the point? Like, is this... Who benefits? The only way they can, like, feel things?
1: Like, do they enjoy, you know, when you watch a sad movie because you want to be sad? Is this, like, their extreme version of that? Because earlier when the mystery man was in Oscar's limo, he asked Oscar why he does this, and Oscar said something like, um, I miss when there were cameras around, or when you could see the cameras. And I was like, okay, so, like, there's clearly a performative aspect that he likes, and that's cool. That's fun. So is this about, like, getting in touch with feelings you otherwise normally wouldn't have? That's Because that whole scene was so weird, and it was also one of my least favorite appointments because, you know, they were just crying a lot, and it felt like a a lot of dialogue that was trying to impart lifelong wisdom and that ultimately ended up saying nothing. Uh, And then he just got up and left. And that was enjoyable, oh, that's, but...
0: That's that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm not sorry for saying why that. Why is it one of your favorite yeah, explain, parts? Yeah, Why is it your favorite part?
0: With, um, Monser Vogan, the, the old man.
1: Yeah, but I... he's the old man in the hotel and his niece, quote-unquote, is crying over him.
0: It's It's just such a... It's such a funny moment. Well, I think I have a different read on the movie than y'all do. Like okay. I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with it making sense so much as like it's kind of a movie about being a movie. And like the very first scene we get is we're in a, a movie theater with an audience who's all dead. The audience is gone. And so right from the very beginning, we're given this image of like a performance is happening on the screen, but it's not happening for anybody, or at least not anybody who's alive. And I think there's I, I think the the holy part of Holy Motors plays a fairly big role in the movie. And it's not a thing I can necessarily pin down and tell you like, Oh, well, obviously X, Y, and Z stand for, you know, the metaphor, A, B, and C or whatever. But I think that there's the, the movie itself is sort of about acting and sort of about like what happens when both both acting for other people and acting for oneself and that scene is just so f- it's so funny to me like they have this long kind of heartfelt dialogue that is on its face like kind of sincere but also after everything that's happened up to this point like a little bit ridiculous and then he pretends. He, he acts and he pretends to die and she just lays her head on him and then he's like, um, excuse me, I have another appointment and sneaks out of bed to leave. Like, that's just so funny to me. And, I mean, then, it, it's... and then it turns out that Leah is also an actress and that, you know, they've both wound up in this position for, I don't know, the love of the act, I guess.
1: I honestly couldn't tell if that was also another secret appointment that felt like it could have been planned. Like the whole movie left me feeling like every single thing he did was artificial.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right.
1: So like that's like I Yeah, I didn't like it. Like (laughs) I couldn't tell if he had actually connected with that woman at some point in the past, and then I couldn't tell if that woman had actually committed suicide or not. I don't think she did, because she said, I'm playing a stewardess. No, she did. Who's last night on Earth is tonight, and my partner's oh. coming soon. So, like, that played into the scene that she led us to believe was happening. And again, like, I don't believe else, anything that happens at the end. Except for the cars. The cars
2: I buy how wholesale. How else would she have... But but how how would she have gotten... If we saw him going down the stairs and walking out the building in real time, how would she have beat him well, to the I concrete unless she Oscar went straight was from stabbed the top? In the jugular earlier like, and then and I was just, fine.
1: And then he shot a man point blank in the head and he was fine. So it feels like this could also I, result in it being fine.
2: I, I was very upset by that one because I, again, was like, okay, clearly these people are actors and sure. They have a right to say no to things. But, you know, she had said, is that your real hair? And he's like, no, they made me older. Are those your real eyes? And she said, no, they're so-and-so's eyes. A woman's last night on Earth. Whatever. And so then, like, you could tell when they're going up to the roof. I'm like, oh, God, this isn't going to be good. And then we see her after he leaves and he's going downstairs. She takes off her jacket, drapes it over the railing, steps out onto the thing. And I'm like, you're... This is for a role, like, I don't, and the, the, who, who does it serve? No one, and you have been told, apparently, to jump from this thing, and it will kill you. But what if it doesn't, because other and things haven't what? killed
1: her? Or haven't killed Oscar? We
2: haven't seen her! But
1: other things haven't killed okay, Oscar but... the same
2: way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's...
2: Yeah, I don't know, I I was deeply, I did not like it, among other <laughs> things I did not like.
0: Yeah, the, I mean the,
2: the accordions were the one shining <laughs> light in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean she's an actress. They're all they're all actors,
1: and like I guess
0: I mean act yes actors actors don't get hurt when you see them in a movie jump off of a building and land onto the concrete. It's just it's acting, and I think the movie is drawing attention to the fact that we're watching a movie over and over again like when kylie minogue bursts into song and talks about their backstory that's not a thing that happens in real life that's a movie thing we're we're watching a movie we're still watching a movie and the fact that it's it's weird because like it doesn't have a place narratively like we haven't had a moment like that in the ordinary lives of these people if we were to watch it as if we were watching ordinary lives but as a movie that's a thing that can happen people can burst into song at any point like in scott pilgrim when the first evil x shows up and does a, a musical number like that's not a thing that it had ever happened before in the movie up to that point but you're like oh it's a movie i'm gonna go with it same thing with this except I think every scene is like that and every scene every but, scene is sort of twisting the way that we are looking at a movie and like playing with our relationship to film in a hmm. in a really like in, in a way that like I can understand not being enjoyable if that's not a thing that you go to a movie to try and experience but if so like that that's that's fine i'm not i'm not trying to like convince you that you should like this movie (laughs) but um i I I think i think it has different i think it has different goals than a normal movie that is trying to show a narrative
2: Oh, I believe it absolutely does. And I mean, just because I want there to be a clear who does this serve doesn't mean that the movie has to have one, or even if it has one, that it has to explain it to me. Like, that's totally fine. But, like, with Inception, you're confused the first 20 minutes, but eventually it comes together. And even though it still has this open ending, you have learned... Enough of the rules of how things work. But with this, I don't know. I didn't, like, because he was always acting. Everything seemed disgenuine. And I thought, is it supposed to be making some sort of commentary about how we as people are actors always and all the different things that we do? And then I thought, screw that. No, I'm not acting when I'm at home. I'm just being me. But... (laughs) I, I, I don't. I kept thinking, like, what is the point of this? And there can be absolutely no point, and that's fine. But as a person who enjoys there being a point to something, I guess that I... It wasn't enough. When he was like, it's, I do it because I love the art. It's like, okay, you do it because you love the art, but that doesn't mean you stab a man in the neck and <laughs> shoot a guy in the head and bite a woman's <laughs> fingers off. Like, what is your problem, well, man? Well, what if
0: they're actors, too? No! What if they're actors, too? Which they are because it's okay, a movie. I'm not... I mean, I mean, but Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Levant didn't actually bite a woman's fingers off. That woman yes, is fine. But she's got her fingers.
2: <laughs> well, as far as you know. But in the movie her character doesn't have her fingers and we don't know if she's an actress or not and even if she is it calls or it goes back to exactly what I said with the woman who jumped from the balcony is what what's the point? Why would you want to do any sort of thing that can do that why would someone give you this assignment or this role when it puts you in harm like they should be sued I'm going to <laughs> sue them <laughs> and I, I no it was all unsettling to me and I at first again when her fingers were first bit off I was like maybe she's in on it somehow and now I think I would, I would be just as mad if she was <laughs> So it's a lose lose, and I don't mean to be so mean about a movie that you enjoy. So I genuinely apologize if anything I say you are taking personally, because I don't mean it. I just enjoyed the accordion, and That's... I wish that the movie had been just two hours of the accordion scene. The
0: funny thing is,
2: and things would have. The been funny great. thing
0: is, another movie that made it to the short list of things I was going to show you also has a really great mm-hmm. accordion scene in it. <laughs> Really? Yeah, like, the first ten minutes of the movie are this really wonderful, beautiful, like, accordion dance sequence in a, in a bar in, like, Estonia or wherever, and it's so beautiful, and the rest of the movie is so boring, you would just tear your hair out, <laughs> but... I don't know. I like I like that movie a lot.
2: I'll have to watch those. I like first that 10 movie
0: minutes. a lot too. I'll send it to you. You don't have to watch it, but I'll okay. send it to you anyways.
2: I will watch the accordion scene and that is Yes. All. But I'll do that.
0: Okay. Hallie, you keep trying to say a Thank thing you. and I keep not letting you. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, it's okay. I didn't Kristen was silent for several seconds and then I thought she was done and then she wasn't. So then I felt bad, uncharacteristically, because I don't care about what Kristen has to say. But um But you do. Because I'm great. I when we were talking about like goals, I just worried the whole time that the goal of the movie was to make me feel bad for enjoying something somehow because a lot of artsy movies will go to a negative place.
2: Yeah. in order to
1: strike a point, and I don't like when it does that. So I worried the whole movie that like Oscar had this whole thing with the woods. He, he liked that wallpaper at the very opening that was woodsy. That was not and him. And then later he asked Celine,
2: What? That was not him. Because I googled Holy Motors Explained and I read people's interpretations of the movie. And um, in the very beginning, the man who wakes up from the bed and has the wooden or the woodsy wallpaper and then goes out into the theater, that's the director. That is not Oscar.
1: Okay, well, then the director clearly has something with the woods because he did that. And then Oscar was like, "Do I have any wood scenes?" And Celine said, "Not this week." And he looked sad. And so it it felt like Oscar was doing this because he loved it, but he never actually got to do things that he wanted to do. It felt like it felt like all the scenes he was assigned were things he just wasn't really thrilled for. And then um, later, the man in the limo said, like, you know that I enjoy your work, which implies that there is an audience. And the camera line also implies there is an audience within the context of the movie watching this, which made me feel like it was, like, the 1% getting their jollies. I don't know, because no other organization was presented as needing these scenes to happen. So it just felt like it was equating... It felt like our conversation about the Hunger Games when we were like, the Hunger Games wouldn't happen, but we are also watching the Hunger Games.
2: Oh, I said the Hunger Games would happen. As a consumer audience. It
1: felt like this. Like, I was, like, worried most of the time that I was going to be judged for liking acting and liking movies and stuff. But then the end came with the cars and the cars started speaking and I was like, oh my god, the movie's having fun. It's not taking itself too seriously. And the fact that holy motors came from the name of the limo rental place made me feel like it was implying that like movies were a higher art form that could transport you into a higher plane of being and that spoke to me and i really liked that and then one of the cars they were bemoaning how they'll be obsolete soon because man likes their engines to be invisible or something yeah they don't want which tied in, they don't
0: want visible machines anymore
1: yes like that which tied into the like we have smaller cameras i missed when i could see the cameras and i still don't really know what that line means but it was two connected lines and i was like oh this is this is something the movie cares about and that the movie likes and so i finally found like something to latch onto. In those last 30 seconds. Which is why I think if those last 30 seconds with the limos had not happened, the movie would be like a five. Because it didn't it didn't give me any hint of of what it enjoyed and what like- cuz I get it, you know, he's acting a lot, isn't acting wonderful the way that we can do all this all this fun stuff. But the movie, the end of it made me feel like it was okay to enjoy that. Like, I wasn't sure if the movie wanted me to enjoy it up until that point.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a thing that I've never worried about watching the movie. I, it's it's always felt, like, to me at least, it, it's felt clear that the movie is having a lot of fun and wants me to also enjoy, like, the strange things that happen during it. And maybe it's just a, a sense of humor kind of thing. But, like, I think this movie is very funny. And almost all of the scenes... Not the scene with the father and the daughter with the party. That scene's not funny. But that, the cut from that... that scene may be mad. But the, the cut from that scene to the accordion interlude, very funny. The accordion interlude, very funny. Lot There are... A whole lot of things. the whole the whole motion capture scene was a delight for me. Like there's uh, snakes. I think if you watch I that mean, and find out that there's snakes, and you're not like grinning from ear to ear, like I don't know. I can see why the movie didn't speak to you if that's not <laughs> a reveal that you're like, oh my god, there's snakes. That's so great.
1: And my mind was like. Oh my god, there's snakes. Like it was a sigh of relief because I didn't like the way that the woman was moving. I didn't want it to sound like I was like, women shouldn't move that way. I just don't think humans should move that way. I hated it. I didn't like watching her do those things she's, with her she's, body. She's very bendy. And then it was very she's too bendy. And then I was like, Oh, there's snakes. That's that's more fun than it was. But I didn't like the snakes either. They didn't, They. I didn't like the look of the snakes. Yeah. So that, so that scene was just like a, uh, and then I was confused because I swear the file number for Parkman says four, even though it should be three. And so I blame the conjunction between those two scenes for confusing me.
0: That's fair. I don't remember looking at the file number, so I can't, I, I am no help here.
1: It's only on the screen for a second.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't remember I don't remember seeing that. So, but I, I believe you that it said four.
1: I don't right. believe you. You never believe me. Like never once have you believed me. That is correct. Yeah.
0: Oh, talking about the um, the visible machines thing, there is a quote f- about the movie on the Wikipedia that's from the director. That I'll just read this paragraph. The film's initial concept started with a trend Carrick's had observed, where stretch limousines were being increasingly used for weddings. The director was interested in the car's bulkiness. They're outdated, like the old futurist toys of the past. I think they mark the end of an era, the era of large visible machines. From that grew an idea for a film about the increasing digitalization of society. A science fiction scenario where organisms and visible machines share a common superfluity or superfluousness or I think that's what superfluity means. That's or like,
1: the only thing I could think of that it would mean.
0: Yeah. So I think there's there's a number of like little things that speak to that as well, like in the in the cemetery where you've got all the gravestones that have, like, visit my site, and then a web address. Yeah, they
1: have the websites on them. I was very alarmed by it. I didn't like that. There was another <laughs> thing in that, in that string of scenes that I did not care for. I don't know why the websites on the gravestones unsettled me as much as they did.
2: I didn't like the websites yeah. on the gravestones. Of course I didn't. But uh, I think part of that was... Like Callie was saying how she was afraid that the movie was going to tell her that she should feel bad for liking things. I think one thing that I that I have that's my own personal issue is that so often as a person who really enjoys a lot of pop culture and like the poppiest of the pop culture often is that so often artsy things are saying how that's all fake and superficial, and it's not real art, and it doesn't actually mean anything, and things like that. And so I was, I think, going into this under the assumption that they were going to tell me that something that I like, or that I do, or whatever, isn't actually anything. And I would say, F you, that's rude. But I think part of the reason I didn't, and granted, you said this is from what, 2012? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, the gravestone website seemed to me like one of the very cliched, like, oh ho, everyone and their social media in this digital world these days, look, they even have it on their gravestones. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. We as a society use my, use our smartphones too much. I'm not going to stop using it. So it seemed like that to me. Not 100% that. There were probably other layers that I just wasn't getting or another message that was meant to be conveyed that I did not pick up on. But it had an essence of that to me. And so, in addition to this creepy madman with gross fingernails running around, I'm like, oh, and now they're telling me that it's bad, that I enjoy visiting websites to look at things and connect with people. Oh, no. And that's why I didn't like it.
0: I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was trying to tell you that you're on your smartphone too much.
2: No, but it's Ish it's bats. in the same vein. It wasn't the direct, you're on your smartphone too much. But, like, man, I was a communication and media studies major. Every class, at some point, had a big whole thing about how the dangers of social media and people... And the internet and online and how it's bad for you. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's definitely like got some negatives. I'm not arguing with you there. But people paint such a negative picture that that scene where it had the tombstones and the websites on it seemed very like a political cartoon I would have gone over a billion times in one of my media studies classes. And I, after four years of doing that, am done with it. So it wasn't a specific, you were on your smartphone too much. It just had a similar air of all the things that I saw constantly for four years in various different classes telling us that all these different things are bad. And I, I, I was tired. I didn't, I know. I'm so tired of that argument that I just saw the websites on the gravestones and just sighed. And that was it. And this is a much longer tangent than I intended it to be. So you can cut (laughs) it in half. I don't care. I'm tired. And that's that. I didn't exactly get a preachy
1: feel from that particular scene, which is weird because I was afraid of the movie preaching to me the whole time, but I just didn't, it just unsettled me. And I wanted to go to the websites, and then I didn't like that I wanted to go to the websites. Oh yeah, I thought about doing that. I thought
2: about pausing it, and then going to the websites and seeing what it said. But I didn't think of it as a creepy thing. I thought of it as a, like, during the Super Bowl, when there's a Doritos commercial that has a phone number. If you call the phone number and you're like, the 25th caller, you can get like $5,000. I thought it was something like that. Not exactly that I was going to get $5,000, but I don't know. I thought there would be like a little tiny Easter egg, and I just forgot to check that out. We had very different reads of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like it. David, what was your read yeah. on the scene?
0: I don't know. I thought it I thought it was really funny, and I think it sort of connected with the, the other sorts of things the movie was doing with, like, technology and also, I don't know. I, I keep I keep trying to read Holy into the movie because it is called Holy Motors, and you know there there are a number of different things like like there there's a a part early on in the car ride where monster Oscar says something about like they blame us for their problems and i was I wasn't quite sure if like maybe there is some sort of spiritual figure to. Monster Oscar, like, if he's, if he is some sort of, like, you know, angel or or demon or something that his role is to act out these parts and, I don't know, show people things about themselves or about the world that they might not otherwise... Find out. I don't know. It was just like a tangent that my brain went on when I while I was watching it, and I thought that having the the websites on the gravestones as like a way to still connect with somebody after they're dead by going to their website. I don't know. There's something about that idea that really tickled me, like having the technology to still be in touch with somebody even after they're dead and buried by going to a website there's something about that that is really both appealing and kind of like kind of funny to me it's a funny idea and i don't know i didn't get i didn't i've never felt like this movie is one to like preach at me. it me it feels like we're along for the same sort of weird ride and it wants to show me a bunch of weird things and make me think about them and this is the third time I've seen it and there's still plenty of things that I have no idea why they're in there but they're all kind of delightful to me like the strangeness of it, and these things that I've never seen or considered before are all kind of delightful, and that's a big reason why I like this movie so much.
1: I can see that. Oh,
0: ectoplasm on wheels! When the when they get into the the fender bender, and Celine yells at the other driver, like "You're ectoplasm on wheels." Oh, that's like,
1: such a good insult.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a funny insult, but it also makes me think about like, are they spirits? Is there like a spiritual dimension to? this like are they ghosts and
1: well if they're all ghosts she would be uh, insulting herself too wouldn't she
0: well yeah but i mean there's a difference between being ghost and being ectoplasm on wheels i think
1: okay yeah that's true (laughs) a ghost probably doesn't want to be called ectoplasm right there's that there's that further distinction yeah like excuse you ma'am i'm a wraith or something for that effect (laughs)
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Okay, I can see that. I mean, I did, I did sense sort of a, I don't want to say higher being vibe from Oscar and Celine, but like a, mm, there's no way to phrase it that it doesn't sound like they themselves are pretentious, but like above the mold or outside the mold, outside the box, something like that. Is it because they, yeah, felt, they some... felt like not a part of the of the larger human community?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, they're part of some sort of... I think they just call it the agency, but whatever the agency is, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm, totally okay with not learning, like, you know, not having a scene like, now we'll go to the agency and see everything that's happening there. Um, but the idea that there's some sort of organization that they work for and that sends them out into the world, like, I don't know, that it still feels like there could be a, a spiritual quality to that.
2: I didn't think of it as spiritual, because I think if you wanted to see it that way, you could almost compare this to, oh God, what's it called? What's it called? The Matt Damon movie. The the Bureau, the, the something Bureau. Ah, hold on, hold on. I want to look this up stay tuned. But I think if you wanted to make that sort of a comparison cuz those is were it people with Emily Blunt. Yes. What is it called? How do you spell uh, bureau? The Adjustment uh, Bureau. Okay. 2011. There we go. Yeah, that one. Um, cuz that is I know it's that one. Cuz that's meant to be like a fate versus free will sort of thing and They actively go in and make sure that people, you know, miss their train or catch this bus or turn left on this street instead of right, because they have a whole plan laid out. And I think that is, to me it sounds like, obviously not what you're experiencing, but you guys trying to verbalize it makes me think of that and that's not the vibe that I got from this. What I got instead was just that they're separate from society and that other people, depending on how many actors there are, because we don't know, um, everyone else is actually living life and they are doing their appointments and their scenes and they are pretending to live life and they are orchestrating little moments that maybe people can have be part of their lives and act around or react to, but... I don't see it as like a higher power thing. I think that maybe it can sort of seem that way because they are actors and therefore controlling a scene. But that's at least in my mind, the beginning and the end of it.
0: That could be. Like I said, there's, there's a lot about this movie that I'm still not entirely sure that I understand or that, you know, it's a big old question
2: mark. So I can see how there are like a billion different interpretations of everything and I think unless right, you're the yeah. actual director, you're not gonna know exactly what is intended, and that is fun if you're a person who likes to sit there and analyze that because then you're like, oh, it could be this or it could be this, so that is fun.
0: Yeah, I think, I think I'm one of those types of people that likes to, after seeing a movie like this, I do like trying to piece together like the metaphors it's working with and you know try and get at the the deeper meanings of the strangeness that's all going on but i do like that you had talked earlier about how you were afraid that it was going to shame you for liking pop culture and things like that but Mm -hmm. like i don't know i i like that it embraces pop culture as well like when he's in the car and listening to music and like Kylie Minogue is in it <laughs> like can't get you out of my head is like playing at the party when he pulls up to pick up his daughter in that one scene and that I don't was know nice. I it think it's
2: actually kind of a funny moment that took me out of the movie just in the sense that in this whole weird French artsy thing that there was just like a fun little pop music song and I'm like man that's fun I like that I should be up at that party so that was yeah. I, I did like that it didn't seem to yell at me for liking pop culture. And like you said, it had pop culture elements. So that's fun. I just am always bracing for that hidden or not so hidden message. And I was pleased that it did not come.
1: Can we talk about how mad the daughter scene made me for just like a quick second? No. Yeah. Because I got very frustrated father-daughter argument in a car, fine. But it felt like he was more upset that she lied to him about how many boys she danced with than that she lied to him about leaving her friend behind at the party. And one of those things is worse than the other. And I don't- It just bothered me. It was a very singular irk. And he, he didn't- he didn't- He didn't chastise her enough for like, you can't just leave your friend behind at a party just because you're mad at her and be getting unreasonably angry that she isn't popular enough yeah that she felt uncomfortable opening up to her dad about this like come on dude Yeah, I know that was just a scene within a larger movie and that maybe it intended for those things to be bad I, I don't really know what it intended I just got mad yeah so I wanted to say something
0: Yeah, no, that is, that scene is really sad, and I think part of it is, or most of it, all of it, is his unreasonable reaction to her lying because she was ashamed that she doesn't feel popular and was, like, hiding out in the bathroom for the whole party
1: she's like 15 and when he drops her off he's like your punishment is you have to live with yourself like that's that's every 15 year old's punishment no 15 year old (laughs) likes right exactly like she's already going through hell man you're making it so much worse
0: right yeah not his not his best role
2: not his best role. And I was not a fan. That was another thing that just confused me because, again, a, my one of my potential theories, you know, okay, maybe she doesn't have a dad or her father figure is absent or something, so she goes to this service and hires someone to be like her dad. And I get that having the whole experience of, of a parent is the ups and the downs. Like, you do not always agree with your parents and you aren't always getting along with them perfectly. But... I'm like, who assuming she is paying for this service to have a father figure? Why why would you do that? That's such a not fun scene. Because if she already didn't have fun at a party, then she goes and has a fight with her fake dad like what? And it just it continued to the the conversation itself as well as who does this benefit? No one. Was another underlying, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> that scene was also
1: one of the, like, times when it questioned how many things always fell into place for each scene. Like, he picked up his daughter, and then Sonia, the friend, knew his cell phone number. So that felt like something, like, it lined up in ways that it shouldn't have that felt like a higher power was orchestrating it. Or the phone call from Sonya was fake because it was all scripted because it's an appointment. But that was one of one of the times where I was like, I don't, I just couldn't latch on to which parts of it were real, and which parts of it weren't. And I understand that's the point. And I don't even mind ambiguity per se. I just like, it was hard to find Pieces of context that could mean something to me even with all the ambiguity. And that was one of those where the cell phone call specifically threw me off because there's no way it should have happened. Also murder, that shouldn't happen either. And like, you know, you know, no police were there after he point blank shot a man and then he just walked away and that was fine. Or he collapsed, and Celine came in and was like, Oh, it's fine. Give him some air. We'll be going now. And that was like an okay resolution to that very public thing that happened. So I was like, Are these all like, was the appointment this whole block?
2: Does it not matter? Because I didn't know if it was trying to make Oscar can do what he wants. Commentary on Oscar himself, because the person he shot was him from the beginning of the movie. And then, of course, mm-hmm. when he stabbed the guy in the neck, or was stabbed, or however that went down, that was also him. And then there was something else and this- that was also him. And I'm like, is this one of those, like, dealing with your inner demons things or something? Like, I don't get it. I'm not saying you have to give me a map to lead me to the point, but you gotta give me something. Because there isn't one. And at the-,
1: at the beginning, in when he was himself, it took me until... Today to realize, oh, the family he was with at the beginning was just his last appointment from the night before. So that isn't his house. Celine just picked him up there. And then when he had like that business call, I still can't tell if that was a real business agency call or if that was still part of his of of that appointment from the night before as like a will to do businessman. But he said something like Even with the bodyguards, we aren't safe and we need guns, and yes, tonight at, insert restaurant name. And was that the right. restaurant that they mentioned earlier? I think so. Okay. Because, like, I I don't know where... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If I did do...
2: he <laughs> that he was... was just like, oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> that was tough, <laughs> Kristen. One of, one of the more interesting things, actually, was the fact that that was him again and we kept seeing him and then it 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 wasn't mentioned again and i'm like you actually got my attention for something something that i'm interested in and i not like this is bad weird thing but like oh what's going on now and then they didn't do anything with it so i was bummed
0: there's a lot that happens in the 116 minute runtime of this movie and i think i th- i mean i i could easily see a version of this movie that was like 3 hours and like tried to connect Same. all of the dots and everything but i'm glad that it didn't do that <laughs> i'm i'm glad that i'm glad that Idea. it's you know just under 2 hours
1: i mean 90 minutes is the perfect movie length
0: as, Under two hours as is acceptable. Said.
1: So I was glad that it was that it was a good movie length. And I wouldn't necessarily want all the ambiguity to be gone or, you know, too much context to be given or all the questions to be answered. I just felt like if it had done it one extra time than it did, I would have a better a better time pulling something from it besides besides the car line.
0: That's fair. And I think it is a movie that rewards rewatching. If that's Kristen, maybe that's not a thing that you would ever want to do. But <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I having like this is my third time watching it and there's definitely things that I picked up on and things that whether or not they made more sense to me or not, like I I knew roughly the plot so i was able to pay attention to other things going on and like make connections that i hadn't made before and i think that's an important part of the viewing experience is going back to it having seen it once and like trying to piece extra things together in that way
1: i could see that which is why i'm interested in re-watching it just not right away
0: yeah yeah i think i, I don't think that this is the kind of movie that one would want to you know pop in when you're feeling down or
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like, i couldn't imagine myself just being like friday night i'm gonna get in bed and watch holy motors (laughs) like that's right yeah Friday. that was a sad sentence friday night gonna get in bed and watch a movie (laughs) quarantine fridays yeah that's what i meant
0: Mm. yeah yeah. Is there anything else that you two wanted to talk about?
1: I think I'm good. I did I did enjoy it. Just so we didn't spend this whole time trashing on on Holy Motors. It just it just gave me a lot of questions and it made me upset at several times.
0: <laughs> That's true. But fair. I
1: did like I did my number was an eight for the one to ten. Like I think it's a really good movie.
0: Yeah. I do too. But I also understand why Kristen didn't like it.
2: Thanks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and if you knew, and again I going, going, feel bad.
0: No, no, you shouldn't feel bad. I knew going into it that you would hate it. I also thought Hallie was probably going to hate it. <laughs> so I was pleasantly surprised that you thought it was an eight. You're welcome. But
1: for my for my natural reaction <laughs> to the film, no, I I enjoyed it, and I was excited. To watch a weird movie that's kept you from watching normal movies all all this time. <laughs> I was like, what movie what movies are keeping David away from yeah, frozen?
0: Exactly. There are so many of of these sorts of things going on in my life.
2: <laughs> it did make me feel bad though, because I was like, We have watched twenty-four movies of things that I mostly have seen before. I think the only one I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim. Maybe there was another one. I don't know. But I I felt bad because I'm like, these are all movies that I really enjoy, and I just get to watch them again and then discuss discuss it. And David hasn't seen it. And what if David is is not having fun? Like how I am sitting here (laughs) and not having fun. And I know that you had prefaced it with like, I don't think he'll like this movie. And I'm like, wow, David's correct. I did not. But I thought, oh no, what if what if each time we watch Moana or something, you sit there and you're like, well, that was that. And that's it. And then I felt bad. So thank you for enduring all the movies that we have you watch. And then once every 25, we let you pick one. <laughs> Just one. Maybe two,
1: if the second one is Snowpiercer. Maybe two if the second one is. Oh, Snow I don't Piercer. know. I don't. Kn- exactly. I don't know how
0: you guys would feel about Snowpiercer either. It's. uh
1: I'm, I'm. More intrigued about Snowpiercer.
2: After, didn't you say it had Chris Evans? It does yeah, have that's Chris, how Evans. It was Chris Evans. Yeah, at the very least, even if I hate it, I can be like, "Well, I get to look at Chris Evans." There's my apple pie, it could be boy. worse. Nope, cherry oh. pie. <laughs> hard no
0: yeah well we oh, can wait. thank that's... you
1: for sharing your movie david
2: with, with us even if we were like eh. yes thank you at least hallie was nice to it you shared a movie like here's a thing that i enjoy just one little one little tiny fraction of all the things that you make me suffer through and i took it and i threw it on the <laughs> ground so again i'm sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I, um, I I totally expected that reaction. But speaking of movies that we're going to watch in the future that aren't Ooh. Snowpiercer, Sick. but are this other movie, for next time, after many long years, Matt and his fiancé are finally about to get married. The florists are hired, the venue is booked, and everything seems like it's all going according to plan. However, there's one thing Matt didn't account for. Cassiopeia, his fiancée, and her enormous Greek family. They do all sorts of Greek things, like eat flaming cheese and arrive in giant Trojan horses. And boy, is it ever a mess. Will Matt's love survive his encounters with the Papa... Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were doing
2: so well.
0: I picked a purposely long and obnoxious Greek name. And I had practiced it.
2: And now you're paying the price.
0: I had practiced it, and then I I blew it. So let's try it again. Will Matt's love survive his encounters with the Papastathopouloses? Or will he get cold feet and run off with his boring high school girlfriend, Amy Bland? That's right, for next time we're watching My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I've heard nothing but good things, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a fun Yay. one.
1: I can assure you it is, because we have seen this one now that we're back to our normal schedule.
0: Papa There we go. You <laughs> did it! Papa so you, so
1: you made up that name?
0: No, I I, I googled long greek last names. <laughs> and that was one that came up. Cass- Cassiopeia you know, Pappastavopoulos. No, is the name of his fiancè.
2: Fa- okay. You know? You know, it's maybe you're not that far off.
0: You and again, be... I
2: told you that I would tally the similarities between Holy Motors and my big fat Greek wedding, and let me just say you're going to be astounded by the number I give you.
0: Wait, what number is that?
2: Eight! I know it sounds like I just made it up because Hallie's number is eight, but no. Eight different things. There are eight similarities, and we will be quizzing you on if you can find them.
0: All right. I look forward to the challenge.
2: Excellent.
0: All right. So that'll be for next time. And that's all we've got for this week. So goodbye, Hallie.
2: Goodbye, David.
0: Goodbye, Kristen.
2: Goodbye, David.
0: Good night, listeners, and goodbye.